Hi, Belinda. Hi, Omar. This week, before we jump into the theme, I just want to give a shout out to all of our listeners. You are our pollinators. It's been amazing to see the stories just get out in the world, and then now they're coming back to us. I want to share one story from Jennifer in Texas. After hearing the healing episode, she sent us this note about how her dad died last year, and she emailed a piece from the eulogy. It was inspired from Thornton Wilder's novel, The Bridge of San Luis Rey, which won the Pulitzer Prize in 1928. She wrote, But soon we will die, and all memories of those five will have left Earth, and we ourselves shall be loved for a while and forgotten. But the love will have been enough. All those impulses of love return to the love that made them, Even memory is not necessary for love. There is a land of the living and a land of the dead, and the bridge is love, the only survival, the only meaning. It's been incredible to be able to hear back from you, your stories, what makes you come alive, even the pain. And so we would love to just hear more from you. You can email us at pollinators at gratitudeblooming.com. This is not just a podcast. This is about building community. And you are the pollinators. Mm, What a beautiful way to kick off this theme of infinite possibility today, Omar. And what's the prompt for infinite possibility? Well, it's card 27, represented by the delphinium. Infinite possibility. Try seeing and being grateful for all the possibilities that can emerge from life's uncertainties. What feels possible to you? I have to admit this one I struggled with as we were preparing for this conversation. Infinite possibilities <laughs> seems like a lot. It's it's infinite. And, you know, for me, as I tried to translate it into my world, what really came to me was just, when have I not felt infinite? When have I felt limited? And... I remember in high school, I was dating my now wife. So we've been together for a very long time, Um, not continuously, but we've known each other forever. And we had puppy love. And I didn't really understand what puppy love was. And she shared with me words that still hold true today. Because she said, we should have unconditional love. And I was like, what is unconditional love? It's like infinite possibility. What is that? And she said, unconditional love means that there are no strings attached. It just is. And that for me is when I came to infinite possibility from a place of no strings attached, then I could sort of be like, oh, okay, this, it's actually freedom. It's that ability to have agency and choice And not limited. I love how you connect possibility with love. And it is interesting how we've traveled from trust last week, allowing space for resolutions to emerge to now finding gratitude for uncertainty and the possibilities that can come from not knowing. 
And yeah, it is, it is kind of like the leap of faith that you take when you love someone knowing that you could get hurt and you're not attached to what you're going to get from that, but just more that you feel that call so strongly to just love anyway. There's something about fear that comes up. That's why we put the strings on. We're like, well, <laughs> let me hedge my bets. And, and I think part of the scary part of infinite possibility is that we have to address our fears. Right? What is the fears are the strings. These are the things that are holding us back and limiting kind of our possibility. And and I think that there's this great line from Brene Brown that the opposite of scarcity isn't abundance, it's enough. And when we can feel into what is enough, then we have a sense of self-worth, we have a sense of who we are, we have that sense of agency, and then the fear has less control. And it's interesting too, because if we feel that, then the uncertainty is less scary. It's like, whoa, you know, can we even play with this idea of possibility in the space of the void? Gotta name those fears though. Those fears are real. And, you know, <laughs> and I think that's what's challenging is uncertainty can be scary, the not knowing. But what is it? What does it mean to know something? And how is that knowing something then actually a limit? Isn't that interesting that knowing something can be a limit? I think there's a Zen concept called the beginner's mind. And the beginner's mind is sort of embraces the not knowing. There's I, I, there's a, a Zen koan, I'm going to not get it exactly right, but to a beginner's mind, anything is possible. And to an expert mind, few things are. Hmm. It brings me back to what you were talking about last week when we were talking about trust and you were sharing about the uncultivated, mm. you know, the Omar, the youthful Omar, just embracing, wild and crazy, <laughs> embracing your wild uncultivated self. For you, how do you handle uncertainty and what, 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 what does your fear look like or feel like? What's the, what's the personality of your fear? I'm going to share a story about a road trip with my best friend. And it was just the two of us for several days. And we had spent five days sea kayaking in Baja in the Sea of Cortez. We were dirty. We were grimy. And when you sit in the car with somebody and you sit in a tent with somebody and you sit with somebody for a very long time, you just cut to the chase at some point. And I love my best friend, but he's one of the most stubborn people in the world that I know. He's also one of the mm -hmm. smartest people that I know. And he had this whole hang up around dating. And I was like, I don't get it. Like, just if you like someone, ask, right? And he's just like, no. And at some point I realized I just need to accept him for who he is. I can't change him. He has to sort of make his own choices. And when I learned that acceptance, then I just accepted him for who he is. And what I've come to learn is that uncertainty is very similar. You can try to like convince uncertainty to do something. You're like, hey, I want you to do this uncertainty. 
I want you to make this happen and force uncertainty to do that. But when I've learned to just accept uncertainty for who he is, I'm going to make him a he because he's like my best friend. Then all of a sudden I'm just, I'm accepting my best friend for who he is. And now whenever I sort of feel like I'm trying to change uncertainty, I'm like, no, I can't change my best friend. I just, I got to accept my best friend for who he is. And now I call uncertainty my buddy. Well, there goes uncertainty again, trying to like, you know, stay in his way. But that's all right. We're cool. We're on this road trip together and we're going to have some fun. This is a big adventure. And what is the, is there a fear in that for you? I think the fear is just how do you, I think for me, my fear comes up in control, right? Mm -hmm. Uncertainty is like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. So then I have to figure out how to make something happen. And for me, control then turns into impatience because it's not happening in the time period that I want whatever I want to happen. And, and so for me, control is how I'm managing fear. And so if I'm fighting the unknown, what I'm really fighting is my fear. And when I surrender, which is not something easy for me to do, and just be like, all right, I'm just going to go with the flow. But the crazy thing is most things often work out. And in fact, with a lot less pain than me trying to like control everything and make it happen because my fear is like, yo, you got to make this happen. And I really don't. My buddy's good. Mm, You're allowing it to just happen. The practice of surrender is a constant one of just like, okay, and, and I think part of surrendering isn't this sort of like letting go and just, hey, whatever happens, happens. I think part of surrendering is knowing that I can be who I need to be in any given moment. And that I can sort of rise to the occasion. So whatever challenge or obstacle that I was, may have been trying to manage against or around I didn't need to do all that like pre-work because I didn't even know what the challenge or problem was. And so in some ways I'm actually better equipped to just handle whatever happens when I'm just present to it as opposed to trying to anticipate it. I don't know if you've ever done yoga and like you're stretching and you're like, ooh, that's as far as I can go. And then you're like, you take a breath and you're like, oh, I can actually go a little bit further. This isn't so bad. And it's like the anticipating the pain is actually worse than the pain itself. Mm, and, and how much you have to just let go of that control, like you're saying. And then, and then for, and then the presence of being in that moment allows you to then see with more expansiveness for those possibilities to emerge. I'm just having this vision of you and your eyes just getting soft and expansive in, in whatever moment you're, ta- you know, you're feeling this uncertainty and then, and then all of a sudden something emerges. Like unconditional love. Mm. It's interesting because when I was reconnecting to this card and I have it in front of me here, you know, as a team for Gratitude Blooming, we loved this card so much that we made a t-shirt out of it a couple years ago. And I think the reason why it's so special to us, this card, is because I don't think Gratitude Blooming would be birthed in this world without 
this virtue of being with the infinite possibility in the face of uncertainty. For me, I, in my twenties, I was definitely an overachiever, uh, making my way into the education world. And I, as an immigrant, I felt really strongly about creating opportunities for people like me. And I ended up being a teacher and then working with a lot of teachers and adults in the system and and really wanting to find ways for people to grow and understand themselves better through this education experience. And what I learned over time was it started to feel like not satisfying for me anymore. And I remember doing this work in in nonprofits for four years and then feeling like something is off right now. You know, I'm doing this mission-driven work, but I'm just not feeling the satisfaction anymore. And it's interesting because uncertainty can be a choice that you make or it can be something that just happens to you in your life. And for me in this situation, in, in my late 20s, I was choosing to step into the void because I felt this sense of incompletion or a sense of dissatisfaction with my work and the way I was doing my work. And that eventually led to the birth of gratitude blooming over time because I was like, is there another way for us to understand ourselves and to feel more connected with other people and then be able to co-create with them and, and build things in, in a better way? And ultimately that was what happened. I just started to get curious and I love how curious you are of a person, Omar, you're, you, you constantly inspire me around that, you know? And I, and I feel like I'm, I am like a curious cat too, but like you just push it on a whole other level. And, and, and I think that is why we're definitely a cat person. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. That's really what brought us together, you know, going back full circle to that. It just is like, you know, just following this, this hunch and stepping into the uncertainty because something didn't feel right. And then letting it reveal itself over time. What does not feeling satisfied feel like for you? It feels boring. It feels like, oh, wow, I'm not engaging. I'm not present because I'm just autopiloting. It feels like there's a part of me that's dormant in a way that feels off balance. Um, And then sometimes it feels sad. You know, I think I was having more and more days where I just wasn't feeling good and I was overworking and and feeling unmotivated and overcompensating by working more. And then, and then just in my heart, it just felt like you're not alive. You're not feeling alive right now. Like something has to change. This can't be as good as it gets. Mm, Isn't that a good question? This can't be as good as it gets. So what was then the motivation to actually make it what you want? Like, what was that sort of tipping point? I think it was this desire for change, even if that meant I was going to be in the darkness of the unknown. Like, I I just couldn't deal with what I knew anymore. And who did you need to become in order to actually embrace the change? Like anybody can be discontent, dissatisfied. That's, I would say, 
status quo. But then something has to switch to say, this isn't enough and I'm going to do something about it. What changed in you that sort of said, I'm going to change how I actually want to be present and react to this moment? I think it was hopefulness. There was a part of me that was like, I know something is on that other side. And I had a lot of hope there. So so it was interesting because it really wasn't fear um, at all at that time because the desire for change was so strong within me. And then I think the other part was innocence. Like I really, I was like a baby. I was like, I don't, Hmm. I've never left the education world. I have no idea what else is out there. And let me just play with it. I think there was a playful innocence that allowed me to navigate the, uh, the chosen uncertainty with less fear. I love that you're shining a light on the shadow and sort of the possibility of these emotions. So I named for myself that my fear was around control. And for me, why control is so important is I love my self-determination. I love my independence. But I didn't realize that the shadow side of independence is, can be control. And that's really where sort of the fear kind of in stressful situations is independence started to turn into control. And so I think with what I'm hearing from you and like, what does it mean to have hope in the face of discontent is for me to learn at least that I had self-reliance, that I could rely on myself, but not because I was trying to control everything, that I could just be present to what was and that. I could be who I needed to be to respond to any given moment. And that's really then, as we look at infinite possibility, to me, what I'm hearing is what do we really value? And what is the fear behind the thing that we really value? And how do we see both the light and the shadow? Mm -hmm. I'm so curious what came up for Arlene as she was connecting with this delphinium plant. This is the story of the Delphinium, the card that represents infinite possibility. The drawing of the Delphinium was inspired by a musical performance that I attended of Schubert's Death and the Maiden by the New Chamber Orchestra in San Francisco back in 2015. I was floored by the performance. It was in a small space where you almost feel like you're seated right next to the musicians. And then the music. I always had a strange reverence for late Schubert works. He made the most beautiful music in the last years of his short life. He died when he was only 31 years old. How could he create so much beauty while his health was declining and while knowing he was nearing the end of his life? When I got home and tried to think of what my daily drawing would be that day, I did an internet search for flowers and devotion because I was searching for a flower that could capture the devotion I felt Schubert must have had in those final years of his life. Instead, I came across a description of a delphinium, connecting it to the concept of infinite possibility, which made sense to me given the infinitely blooming flowers that seemed to fold into each other on each single stem. 
And that was the moment that I realized what I admire the most about artists like Schubert, really artists like each one of us has within us, is that when we are willing to go to the places that no one imagines is possible, those places that you can only get to when you are willing to accept and even explore the uncertainty that surrounds you, we end up expanding what is possible for everyone else. Because we made something that was once out of reach or incomprehensible possible. And so I found an image of a delphinium flower, and I'm not exaggerating. It flowed freely out of my hands, and I drew it in less than 15 minutes. It makes me think of this quote by Joseph Campbell about following your bliss. If you do follow your bliss, you put yourself on a kind of track that has been there all the while waiting for you, and the life that you ought to be living is the one you're living. This is a special drawing for me because it was made from a place of bliss, and I often see it when I see your reaction to it. It's like something was captured in this drawing that reaches beyond our individual experiences. It creates a moment where we know and sense the beauty and power of what is really possible in our lives. That truth is revealed to us, and we share the experience, even if it's only for a fleeting moment. I'm struck by how important it is for us to all be living from this place of what's true to us in order to create new pathways for more possibilities in the world from this story. I hear bliss and the question, what makes you come alive? And when we really honor what makes us feel alive, then we really are leaning into the infinite possibility. I used to work on the Los Angeles River and its transformation. And yes, LA has a river. <laughs> but the person who really championed it, Lewis McAdams, he was a poet. And I believe he started working on the LA River in like the 70s or 80s. And he would always say, if it's not impossible, I'm not interested. And the LA River was his like 40 year art project because he saw this concrete and really saw life. He saw a possibility. And when we trust that intuition of bliss, for me, trusting unconditional love in I think two weeks, I'm going to be celebrating uh, another wedding anniversary. And we've known each other for 33 years. And to really have that opportunity at a pretty young age to have that question asked, what strings am I holding on to? And how are those holding me back? I look forward to hearing some more stories around infinite possibility from our gratitude circles. So the duality of being attracted to something, entertaining the possibility of 
how beautiful it could be, even in the moment when you don't fully believe it. That like both could exist simultaneously. And I think that's exactly where I am right now. There's there's this duality. I appreciate her recognition of the paradox. It's at the moment where it feels impossible is really where infinite possibility shows up. Because if it feels possible, then it really isn't infinite. It's kind of known and familiar and comfortable. To really have infinite possibility, you have to actually not know what's going to happen. It's got to be even bigger than what you can imagine or dream up of. When you were working with Arlene in those early days and you're like, we have to do something. What was the infinite possibility that you were dreaming of and how now, however many years later, is it even bigger than what you imagined? Yeah, it felt like it was a clue initially. You know, I was so moved by her artwork and feeling incomplete with just the gratitude practice that I had. You know, I was like, there's something else. There's something missing. Same thing as what I was feeling in my professional career. Like, I, I think I'm more and more tuning into what's off, you know, from my heart. And, and it felt the same. And then when I saw the artwork, the hundred pieces, it was like, oh, this is what it's going to take to bring nature into gratitude or, or, and, and start to feel the emotions, all the different la- layers of emotions that come with this practice. And, what I love about it is it captures the light and the dark. You know, there is aspects of the bliss that she talked about. And then there's also this darkness around the uncertainty that feels really heavy. And how cool is it to acknowledge both at the same time? This is what I am loving about emotions and feelings. And I have not always been an emotion feeling kind of guy. <laughs> But what I'm learning is that when we actually lean into our emotions and feelings and even the scary ones, when we share them with others, they actually connect us. They're not a wall, they're a bridge. And that's really, I think, what the practice of gratitude does is it creates a bridge. So an emotion or a feeling that might make us feel alone, when we share them in community, we actually are creating a bridge and a connection. This feels like a reminder to celebrate that I am finding balance most of the time these days just by listening to my body and feelings. I can trust myself to stay in the healing, culture building, and growth I've been doing and not burn out. In some ways, these cards say, do it all. Go after every idea that brings more aliveness and joy and justice to you and your communities. It's not what I expected, (laughs) but I'm game. Wow, we couldn't have um, planned that better. I was not expecting those things to come out. (laughs) Around the joy and and the playfulness with the possibilities. You know, like, why can't we dance with them all and see what happens? And, and and leave that script. See what else wants to come forth. I'm also appreciating the body sensation of that entry. 
As you know, Belinda, I've been really keen on embodiment. And what does it mean to embody infinite possibility? How do we actually have to feel it within ourselves? And I think the key is the feeling, right? To be open to those sensations and to really fear, to feel where we're holding fear and to see that fear as a string that's holding us back. And how, what is it going to take to clip that string? I think more and more, a lot of people in this space might talk about mindfulness. I really think we should talk about heartfulness. Like even before we kind of tackle the mind, in some ways we have to be connected to our heart. Mm-hmm. I'd had these roses that I bought that somehow magically lasted for about two weeks. That's the longest I've ever had a bouquet of roses last. And my partner and I, we, we buy roses, we buy flowers all the time. So we were like, those roses are still alive. And so we just let them be. And we just kept watching them like, okay, they're still there. And then finally, this Saturday, I saw that they were, they were ready to evolve is what it felt like. So I just listened to the intuition that told me to start to pluck these rose roses into a bowl. And then it was like, that's all. And I let it be. And so this bowl of rose petals sat on the counter um, until Sunday evening when I realized, oh, these are for a bath I'm, I'm supposed to take. And I put a little bit of olive oil and I did this whole thing, taking a bath and this meditation, <laughs> lighting sage and all of this. And um, after the bath was over, collecting the rose petals felt like they were a layer of sadness and pain. Like I shed a layer of conditioning and trauma and all the, all this stuff that I think we carry around with us that isn't really who we are. And I was getting to experience it in this physical type of way. And so I felt so much gratitude in my heart for the wisdom that came to me to, to listen. And, and when I was reflecting, you know, how did this happen? How did this magical experience happen? It comes full circle to what you said earlier, Belinda. It was, it was, I was open. I didn't question when the intuition said, pluck those rose petals. I didn't question when my spirit said, take a bath and put those rose petals in the bath and everything after that. It, it all came from this underlying condition of being open it's amazing how infinite possibility is just all it's already there it's just being open to it i love when she said let it be and we only create the strings the walls the barriers when we're trying to do something supposed to be just who we are where we are when we are and i love that she talked about the rose 
saying, I'm ready to evolve. And I feel like that captures it so beautifully, you know, like when we're ready for that, we then step into this possibility of something beyond what we have previously known. And that oftentimes is releasing the conditioning, the expectations, the programming, the baggage that we, you know, all kind of carry over time through experiences and relationships. And I just love how she embodied this shedding, this emptying, like Omar, you, you say often, to then be able to be that open like a flower, to be ready to evolve. Just got to pause to smell the roses. <laughs> and look inside them, see how they are blooming. I was just writing about holding spaces for more possibilities, including trusting the unknown. I conjure up all these scenarios in my head to feed certainty and trying to let go of that while still being an active participant in life and the worlds I do want. Isn't it funny how certainty seems comforting yet is then in the exact direct conflict with infinite possibility? Because if we know something, then we've actually limited what is possible. And it's by actually unknowing something that we re- we make room for the infinite things that can happen in any given moment. Some flowers that you're enjoying on a table, then all of a sudden create just a beautiful bath. Who knew? Something very magical about being available to possibility. It's like, wow, I didn't know life could be this amazing. And, you know, of course, along the way, it can, there is suffering and it's hard. And what I love about this journal entry is it captures this sense of participation. You know, it's like, how can I actively be a participant in my life? And that's the dance. We're now going to enjoy a montage of a few more journal entries. So I pulled Infinite Possibility, number 27, Delphinium, and I literally just manifested this card. Uh, I said, you know, I'd really like to pull Infinite Possibility. I wonder what the odds are. And then I pulled it. (laughs) So currently feeling a lot of awe. And in my inquiry question, I used language from the Beautiful Sadness card about trusting that beautiful new possibilities will be born, uh, realizing that I'm coming from a place of both endings and new beginnings. So it feels like the Delphinium is confirming that I need to just sit with the uncertainties and trust that possibilities will emerge. And it's comforting and many things feel possible so many things with time patience and presence i received beautiful sadness and infinite possibility what's eerie is the combo of the two have come up for me a lot recently what's the probability I do feel sadness for what's dying in our world right now, and in mine. And I know that I need to soften into the unknown 
in order to receive the possibilities for new beginnings. To be open to infinite possibilities, I have to be okay with the risk of pain and sorrow. Bravery comes with the risk of failure. And even as I can be optimistic and excited about the wealth of possibilities, it's also okay to feel sorrow in other areas of life, as long as it's a healthy balance. I think I just need to be open to whatever comes along and not stress too much about nailing down the specifics of my next steps at this time. So I'm excited about the practice for this week. And sometimes infinite possibility can feel a little overwhelming. It's like so many options. And was, I was doing some reading actually about uh, the plant itself. And I just love how many petals stem from just one plant. And it's interesting how it even says in the description of this plant, how if you take too much, it could be toxic. (laughs) So it's just interesting how we have to gauge how much is too much and what's enough, you know, back to what you were saying, Omar, it doesn't mean that we go down a million and one rabbit holes that come up for us. It might mean that there's a few that feel really present and available to be lived or experimented with or played with. I'm curious what comes up for you around that, because one thing I'm learning a lot from you is how much you like to keep things simple. And I'm much more of that wild garden where I'm like, we could be planting this and that and the other thing, and let's just do it all at the same time and fertilize and pollinate. And, you know, so it's just an, it's been an interesting play for us around possibilities. What is enough is a great question because think about unconditional love. My wife and I have now known each other for 33 years and I am not going to be able to do the mental math quickly, but I think this is anniversary number 18. And the love is more than enough. And when that depth of love and relationship and all the things, the ups and downs, you know, we've been through it. But then that knowing that unconditional love, then it really allows me to feel it in other parts of my life whether it's now our daughters and just the unconditional love and acceptance for who they are and who they're becoming. And that to me is then you're able to appreciate the depth and the richness of it by keeping it simple. I don't need to have lots of unconditional loves. I just need one. And then my heart is stretched and it's never going to regain its original shape because now it is learned and appreciated something new that was even beyond what I could imagine. I certainly didn't expect this when I was 14 years old and we met for the first time on a summer swim team. Just really feeling a lot of sweetness in my heart as I'm hearing you and how important it is to be present with the depth of infinite possibility. It's not about the, the, all the things and all the possibilities, but really like take it to that next level with the possibilities. Trust what is true. Hmm. 
So for the practice for this week, I invite you to contemplate what feels uncertain in your life. And, you know, you can even write it down just to acknowledge and name the uncertainty or just feel it in your heart, something in your life that's like, ah, it's kind of unknown. And just notice if there's a feeling that comes up around that uncertainty. And if nothing comes up, that's okay too. And I invite you to just say to yourself, I'm going to stay open to the possibilities of this unknown. And just be with that. Notice how that uncertainty feels the next time it comes up. A lot of these practices are really to encourage and inspire our presence with the feelings and the facets of life that come up for us. I'm just sensitive to you who are listening right now and all the feelings that may have come up in this conversation, in your day, and how you can acknowledge both the positive ones, but also the challenging ones. And part of, I think, the space that Belinda and I are trying to create is just to know that we're not alone in our feelings. And that when we're able to share them and have the courage to face those fears and to acknowledge the disappointments and the pain, infinite possibility is a real thing for you, for all of us. And don't we need it now more than ever as we're collectively experiencing so much uncertainty around us? Sending you much appreciation, Belinda. Sending appreciation to the pollinators of Gratitude Blooming, the listeners, and everyone who is just trying to show up. That's all we can do. So we'd love for you to join a Gratitude Circle coming up on Mondays at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And you can find out more information at gratitudeblooming.com. Cheers. Cheers. Life can be messy, beautiful. Gratitude Circles create space for people to come together and acknowledge what is. We invite you to join a Gratitude Circle. Learn more at gratitudeblooming.com.